Hey, welcome to Recharting Your Life with Hope. I'm Hope Cook, creator and host. If you feel stuck, restless, overwhelmed, or dissatisfied with your current life, despite your life looking pretty good on paper, or at least on social media, I can totally relate. Together, we'll figure out how to take the next right step. I'll interview women who are a little farther along on the path and get tips and ideas from them. I definitely don't have it figured out, so I'll share the ups and downs of my own journey with you. Let's get started because life is too short to waste in autopilot. Hey y'all, I cannot believe it's been almost one year since I started this podcast. That's exciting to me. Happy birthday. And my birthday's on the 17th, so it's double birthdays. Okay, thank y'all for sending in questions. There are some really good ones, some that are going to be hard to answer and some that are easier to answer. So if you forgot to send in a question and you have one, just send me an email, hope.cook at gmail.com or send me a uh, DM at Coach Hope Cook. All right, so we'll start right off. What are some quick, delicious dinners that are family favorites? None. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, really, my kids are picky. Eli is in middle school. He's pretty good with trying whatever I want to feed him, but he would much prefer to eat cereal and ramen noodles. So we have to really struggle with that, and they have to take two no-thank-you bites of everything. Um, I cook salmon once a week on a cookie sheet with... uh, a lot of vegetables. And then I'll usually pick up a baguette from the local bakery, or sometimes I'll make nasty macaroni and cheese. I know, don't judge me. Um, just so they'll have something to eat. My daughter claims she's a vegetarian, but when it comes to like school popcorn chicken, she'll eat that, or she'll eat school, uh, cheeseburger. So she's not really a vegetarian, but she does love animals and it makes her sad to think about eating them. So maybe we will move more towards, um, more vegetables, less meat for her as she gets older. For me, I've tried eating vegetarian. I've even been vegan for about four months and I just got so stinking hungry and I was gaining weight from the carbs because I was eating healthy carbs like still cut oatmeal and brown rice all the time. But um, I feel like I do better when I have some protein, like some chicken. Okay, so for me, food is creativity and I love throwing open the refrigerator doors, sort of looking in the drawer, seeing what I have, and then creating a meal that looks pretty and tastes really good. Um, so cooking is kind of my art form. And that that's funny because that's how I approach coaching too. I like to throw open the doors <laughs> and survey the options and then create a plan going forward with my client. So anyway, stir fry bowls. We eat that probably once a week. That's brown rice, lots of vegetables. Um, I make a sauce with cashew butter and uh, gluten-free soy sauce and lime juice and sesame oil and ginger. It's really good. I make gluten-free pizza probably once every other week. We have um, a lot of soups a lot of beans. Um, We don't eat meat every single day though. I'll eat um, 
once a week, I'll probably do chicken in the crock pot and we'll either use and put a jar of salsa or something in there. And we'll use that as taco meat or we'll uh, make taco bowls. What are some things you do together as a family that everyone loves to do and engages in? Nothing. I'm just kidding, sort of. M- watching Marvel movies, that is one consistent thing that we all love. We can usually get the kids to bike ride with us if we do a flat land. Um, and if we incorporate a restaurant or a stop to get some food, that means they're definitely going to want to go. But there aren't a whole lot of things that we all love to do together. We all read, some of us more than others. Um, So that's something at night we do. We don't watch TV at night and I don't judge people who do. We just, we like to read and TV um, like revs me up. I can't stop thinking about whatever it is I watched. What successes, failures and pivots did you walk through this year? This is a hard one, but it's a good one. And what surprised you? Okay, so I started thinking about this and the podcast is definitely, um, it's a success in my terms. It's not like it's, um, you know, reaching number one in the self-help category, but it's a success because I started it. I feel like it's an important message and it's reaching women. So, and I've done it for a whole year consistently, which counts as a success in my book. This is another one. I never thought I would be an entrepreneur and never thought I would start a business. I had no idea what LLC meant or stood for or how to do it, but I started a coaching business this year. So that was huge. Um, Another success was uh, discerning that I didn't want to stay in medicine full-time. I didn't want to, I didn't want to keep doing what I was doing exactly like I was doing it for another 20 years. So that was a huge wake up call. And then, you know, the panic of like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And figuring that out. I still haven't figured it out completely, but I feel like that's a success that you sort of reach that point when you're like, I don't want to keep doing what I'm doing forever. And you start um, brainstorming and figuring out what it is you could do. Um, Failure. This is, it's not quite a failure, but I'll, I'll tell y'all some of those. Okay. So when you start a new business or you get a new job, you get into something new, it is almost like, like getting a new lover. I don't know what that's like, but in books that I've read, it's like when you're infatuated and you're in love and you want to spend every waking minute working on this thing, thinking about this thing, neglecting all the other things in your life. So that has been a wake up call to spend. I mean, just the amount of time I spend on the screen now trying to figure things out um, and doing Zoom calls and social media. I was not, I was very inactive on Facebook. Um, before the pandemic. So that has been a part that I don't love um, being on the screen that much. So I've had to put in filters like, you know, notifications, turn that off. I don't need to know when somebody likes a post that I've written. Um, Yeah. Pivot. Oh, let me list another failure. One other failure that was just me trying to figure out what it is I wanted to do. So when I decided to cut way back in the summer or the fall. And then I thought that my new role was going to be as a wellness coach at my office, got 
completely into that, poured myself into it, and then realized that it was a volunteer opportunity, not a job. That was, it felt like a failure at the time. I posted a couple of weeks ago about how I've come to terms with, actually, that was a good thing because I realized I didn't want to spend the rest of my life doing corporate wellness. I wanted to impact working women, moms, women in general. Um, So that was a, it felt like a failure at the time, but it's since become like, yeah, that was actually a good thing that happened because it taught me that that's not what I wanted to do um, for the next 20 years. Let's see, a pivot. Um, Well, that was the job thing. So thinking that I wanted to do like corporate wellness, trying it, realizing I don't know that I want to do this, um, and then trying to revamp, refigure things out. Okay, let's see. Oh, this is, yeah. What was easier or harder than you thought? And what did you learn about you in this process? That's another good one. This feels like a SAT essay or something. Um, Okay, so easier than I thought would be starting the podcast. I thought it was going to be so complicated and so technical, but it really hasn't been. I mean, it was very self-explanatory and you don't have to have a lot of equipment. I'll talk about that in a little while. Um, So it was really easy. I mean, if you're good at consistency and you like share, you have a message that you feel like needs to be shared or you like interviewing people, both of which I do, then that's been relatively easy. What has been harder than I thought was telling patients um, and telling people that I'm cutting way back and that I'm becoming a life coach. And a lot of that is my own, uh, my own limiting beliefs about what, um, like how your, how your importance or your worthiness is wrapped up in your role. So I had to really look at how my ego felt about leaving the role of being a PA only. And like, so when people ask me, what do you do? And I used to say, I'm a PA. And now I've been practicing saying I'm a life coach. And I realized much to my mm, dismay that I was downplaying it and minimizing it. So I would say, I am going to be a life coach. And then I would laugh and I'd say, you know, I'm in the middle of a midlife crisis or yeah, I'm kind of, you know, going crazy and just decided to try this thing. And that is not true. This has been eight years in the making, at least that I've considered doing this. And it's something that I'm passionate about. And I feel like it's my, my next divine assignment. So I realized that I was throwing out this into the universe and it was sending out the wrong message. It was sending out the message that this was not well thought out and it was just a midlife crisis kind of thing. So that is important to notice if you're, what you're telling people when they ask, like, what are you doing or why are you doing this? Um, Really pay attention to your answers and see if they align with your true intentions. Um, so where was I? Yeah, that was hard when I tell patients what I'm doing and I I haven't told all of them. I'm sorry if you're listening to this and you, hopefully, you know, by now what I'm doing, but for the ones that I haven't told, it just feels like we're breaking up because for some of them, they're at one of the satellite offices an hour away and they're elderly and they're not going to drive. And I wouldn't want them to, they're not going to drive an hour to see me. And I can't physically see the patients that I was seeing 
in one day a week. So it does feel kind of like we're breaking up. So that's been really hard. Um, and yeah, it's been hard for my ego to let go of the, you know, here is what I do. Here is who I am because I've done that for 20 years and to step into a different role, it feels really weird or to even just, um, kind of remove my wake up. I'm not putting on scrubs and clogs every day. I'm putting on, you know, normal clothes or exercise clothes. And so it just, it really messes with your mind. And I've had to do a lot of work with my own coach and therapist and journaling to really get to um, a place of acceptance and excitement about this new thing. Um, let's see. Oh, I, I know what I was going to say. Yoga teacher training that I did a few years ago also taught me how to sort of drop within and see myself through the eyes of myself with a capital S. This may not make sense um, to everybody, but it's, it's almost like you take a little flashlight and you drop within and you kind of shine it around and you see where your energy is. You see what your attachments are. You can kind of look up towards your brain and see all the thoughts that just are on repeat over and over. Um, so that, that was helpful in this transition too. Um, how did this decision affect my marriage and my kids? The kids love that I'm home more, but they are a little confused about, not confused, they're a little uh, annoyed probably that I do come in my closet and shut the door and I'm coaching people on the internet and yet they say well you won't let us have screen time or Ollie will say why are you on your phone and I'm like because I'm doing business right now I'm not scrolling through social media although sometimes I am um, so that's been good it's also we've we've started kind of talking to them about money trying not to scare them about money but also teach them like no you can't just have a new pair of shoes because you want it. These other shoes are perfectly good. And we were already like that, but we, we've started tightening down a little bit. But we also don't want to freak them out and make them have money issues um, like I do sometimes. But another good thing is taking my kids to and from school. Y'all, I didn't realize that I'd heard this, that this is when kids open up and talk. And it is so true. So my son's school starts at 830 and my daughter's already in school by that time. So he's been the biggest um, talker when we're on our way to school and on our way home. And he, that's when we're not looking at each other eye to eye. We're staring straight ahead. Um, but he will open up about stuff. So I've loved that. I never was able to take him to school uh, or pick him up. And then yesterday, my daughter had a little holiday market that started at 2.30. So for working parents, it feels like that's impossible unless you can take off work. But I was able to go and we worked on, she and I made cupcakes, like over 50 cupcakes and she was so proud of them. And she kept saying, this is the most fun we've ever had together, mom, which kind of made me sad, but it is so cool that we got to do that. And she sold out like a boss. Okay. Marriage. 
OMG, this, this has been so hard because when one partner changes and steps away from the role that they've been in, it really affects the team. And so just like if you have a hurt knee, you're going to need to go to physical therapy. You're going to need to go easy on that knee. You might need to wrap it up and take special care of it. We've tried to do that with our marriage. Um, we've tried to go away on date nights more. We've tried to ramp up our marriage therapy visit. Sometimes we go every week, y'all, which is all it, that feels like a lot. But we've grown closer this year. So we've been able to really get beneath the words that we're saying and, and get to the root of what the other person is feeling and what they need. And then, yeah, money. So that's the next question. Financially, what are the biggest struggles? Um, and then somebody else asked about a budget. So we, I'm embarrassed to say, don't really have a budget. We have tried many, many times to come up with a budget, but it is hard. Am I the only one that finds it hard to track money when you're paying people with Venmo and you're, I give the kids cash out of my purse to pay for their allowance or to pay for food. And then I try to track how much we spent on food. And it just, it feels hard to do. Um, we do have a general idea of what we spend. About two years ago, we decided we each would start getting an allowance and not the kid. I mean, the kids get like $3 or I think Eli gets $7 a week, but we started giving ourselves a monthly allowance to just no questions asked. You spend it on what you want to spend it on. So if I really feel like buying a fancy yoga mat, I don't have to ask Chase. Um, so we do do that. We save six to 12 months of income. Um, and we've had this for a few years. We didn't even know that I was going to cut way back, but we just knew that it was a good idea to have this emergency money saved up. So we already had that. We have paid off our mortgage. I think it was um, December of 2018. We don't send our kids to private school. So we don't have that. We've paid off our cars. We don't have student loans. So really we, we pay our bills, we pay our credit card off each month, but that really helps us have flexibility with um, my job. And my husband has health insurance through the university. He um, is working on his PhD, but through the TAP program, if you're employed with a university full-time, then you can um, work towards a degree. So that's wonderful that he's able to do that. Um, let's see. Are you worried about, um, what does it say? Aren't you worried about losing your patients or losing your role, place, or reputation in dermatology? So this was sort of what I talked about earlier with um, the ego identifying with your physical role. So in other, I've heard that in other countries, it's not as common to say like, what do you do? And then identify so strongly with your career role. Um, they, I mean, this is what I've heard. I don't know, but they care more about like who you are as a person. And so that has been, yeah, it's been hard to strip away the roles. And, you know, I had to do some work with fe not feeling worthy, like I'm not working hard enough or, um, you know, my parents raised me with a super strong work ethic, almost to a fault. So not even going to, not even taking off work when you're sick and 
you know, you have a baby and you feel like, oh, I, I probably should only take off nine weeks or eight weeks instead of 12. So, yeah, I mean, this, I think it's good to sort of strip away things that are external and that you're doing because you um, worry what other people will think. But yeah, I mean, losing my patients, they, well, first of all, they're not my patients. Um, they're our patients. And I know my coworkers are going to take great care of them. But yeah, it has felt sort of like I'm breaking up with some of them. And some of them I've seen for the last 12 years, and I'm really, really, really going to miss them. But ultimately, I had to, I mean, I feel like my, I feel like this is a calling. I mean, I couldn't ignore, it got to the point where I couldn't ignore it. And it felt like things were going to start going wrong in my body. Like I was going to get sick or, you know, you hear about people getting in a car wreck. So it was one of those things where I kept hearing the whisper and feeling the nudge. And the longer I ignored it, the, it felt like the louder it was getting. So it got to the point where I couldn't ignore it anymore. So that was a worry, like maybe six months to a year ago, but now I feel like it, it was the right decision and I'm still going to be hopefully working one day a week. I didn't say that with the budget thing, but, um, that's the other thing that'll help with money because, I I know it's going to take a while to build up my business. Um, let's see what made you take the leap from medicines. Well, so I'm still working one day a week. So listen to the big announcement episode and yeah, what I was just saying about sort of feeling that pull. Um, how do you handle your budget? So I talked about that. How do you choose the women you interview? It's funny, the, a lot of times I feel like the universe sends them to me. I know that sounds crazy, but uh, like yesterday, I was at the do my daughter's holiday market, and I met the coolest lady, Char, and she makes soaps locally. And so we were talking about that. Um, sun Saturday, I saw on my neighborhood listserv that this lady was selling Japanese beaded earrings. And so I stopped by and looked at them, and I was talking to her mom, and her mom said, um, yeah, she started doing this during the pandemic, and you know, she learned from the nanny how to make these earrings. And so I just hear cool stories like that all the time. I interviewed my local yoga teacher. I interviewed the local um, juice shop lady. I interviewed a soap maker locally. Um, one lady, Mo Jones, I heard her on another podcast and I started crying because she was so honest and her message was so heartfelt. And then I asked her if she'd be on my podcast. Um, what else? Oh, well, sometimes I do ask people to be on the podcast and they say no, or I just don't hear back from them. And I, to me, that's fine. I don't get my feelings hurt at all about that. I emailed the Siete chip lady. Have y'all heard of Siete chips? They're grain free. They're really good. And they make this queso dip. That's not cheese. It's cashews. Anyway, I read her story on the back of the bag and about all her food issues and autoimmune disease. And that's how she invented it. And so I reached out to her and she was like, no, we, we're not doing podcasts. Um, but let me send you some Siete chips. So thank you for those. <laughs> 
And let's see. Oh, the lady who made my birthday cake last year, D of Oma's Bakery. She, I heard, I read her story on her website. And I was like, that is so cool. So I reached out and she agreed to be on the podcast. So it really is, you know, I hear about these people. I reach out. Um, some guest will refer other guests. How do you start a podcast? That's another question somebody wrote in. Okay, you just do it. You can literally do it on your cell phone. So you would pull up one of the free platforms. I use Anchor and it asks you, you know, what genre is this in? What would you like for the name to be? Um, and, and you just type in the information. As far as cover art, you know, the little picture that appears, you could design that yourself for free on Canva, or you could pay somebody on Fiverr and it's like $15. Um, you don't need music. You don't need fancy music. Anchor in most platforms have free music and it's organized by category. Like mine is under cheerful because I wanted some cheerful music, but there's all kind of um, genres of music you can choose from and that's free. My microphone was like $100 or less. My headphones were maybe 40 I podcast in my closet because it has better acoustics because of all the clothes in here. And you just do it. So maybe outline the first seven or 10 episodes and record them. And then you don't have to publish them until you actually decide to. So that's what I did. I recorded four and then I was sitting on them for months, not putting them out. And finally, a friend was like, you got to do this. Just do it. Just hit publish. And I did. Okay. Why life coaching? I think this is the last question. That is a good question, though. And I've had people ask me that. Most people are scared to ask it because they don't want to appear rude. Um, but why life coaching? So I have always loved hearing people's stories. And then I, I love, especially when people were in a bad place or a stuck place, and then they made changes and they started down a new path. It's like the hero's journey, if you've ever heard of that. Um, and then teaching, I love to learn stuff and then teach others. So asking why questions, I talked about that when I was little. Um, and I noticed that I would feel like, you know, when you're trying to figure out what your next calling is and people say, well, when do you get that like buzz of excitement? When do you find that you're in the zone and you would do this for free, even if nobody paid you? And for me, it's helping, especially women, helping people figure out their path and encouraging them. And this made sense when we did the strength finder at work. Um, it confirmed and validated when I saw that I'm an encourager, I problem solve, I teach, I'm a futurist. So these are all things that are part of me and they make me feel alive when I'm using them. And when I'm not, I feel stagnant. And I also looked back, this was very telling. I looked back at all my blog posts from a couple of years and most of them were in the self-help genre and most of them were instructional and they were they were written, I didn't realize it at the time, but I wrote them as if speaking to um, women, especially like working moms like I was. So that was revealing. And then the podcast allowed me to reach out and be in the ear of women. But I've, and I've heard from women that it does 
they, they, it has an impact. They're hearing the stories, they're hearing the interviews and it's what they need to hear. But I felt like there was a piece that was missing because when you're listening, it's just passive and you might think, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that. Or she's right. I'm going to change. But when you're, um, when you have that accountability and you have a life coach, then you're going to you're going to have huge changes in your life. You're going to have a map that sort of moves you forward. So I wanted, I knew I wanted to do some type of coaching and I debated um, health coaching, like functional medicine, but I tried that a little bit and I realized it felt like an uphill battle with people not wanting to change their lifestyle, but they still wanted results. Um, And it was, another form of medicine. And I wanted to try something other than medicine. So life coaching for me has been life giving and I can reach women all over the country. I don't have to just do it locally. And I can, I mean, even in other countries, I've talked to a lady in Australia, another one in Japan, and that is so fun to me. So yeah, changing, helping women change their mindsets will will change everything in their lives. So I have really found that that's um that's my calling. So if you wanted speaking of which, if you would like to see if life coaching is for you, reach out. It's not a lot of it's so easy. We do a 30 minute phone call, no pressure if it's not for you or if I'm not your person, no worries. But if you're curious, just reach out. Coach Hope Cook is the DM on Instagram or email me at hope.cook at gmail.com. Catch y'all next week. Thanks for joining me on today's podcast. If you like this podcast and think someone else could benefit, please share it. I'd also love for you to write a review on your favorite podcast platform like Spotify or Apple. And lastly, if you would like more of the same, come over to my website, hopethepa.com. Thank y'all for listening.